Rick Madison and Scott Lanigan, chair of Central Okanagan Journey Home Society, delve into the problems surrounding Kelowna's homelessness issue and interview community stakeholders to discover possible solutions. Hi, this is Rick Madison along with Scott Lanigan, and we have Jeff Simla from Metro Community. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Rick. Good to be here. That's the fans cheering because fans are in person now, so I'm just doing a little. No, that and that's good. Not not so many at Oilers games you find right now. That's interesting, Rick, that you would, <laughs> you would mention that. <laughs> wow, how we got into hockey so fast. Uh, so Jeff, uh, you and I have known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. Scott obviously has known you for a long time. Can you give uh, just the listeners a little bit of an over overview of what Metro Community is and your role in it? Sure. So Metro Community is located downtown on the corner of St. Paul and coronation uh, we have two buildings down there rick one is the uh, the drop-in space so that's part of metro central we have a hygiene program operating out of there which has laundry showers uh, some short-term storage facilities as well and then behind that is a cafe with a courtyard so street level community can come in there uh, monday through friday to get food uh, to get refreshments uh, to have a place just to kind of connect and to feel like home and then behind that building is the former food bank building, which we have as well. And we're in the process of uh, renovating that right now and turning it into a community center. Oh, great. Okay. So a lot of people um, are aware of the gospel mission. How does, you know, when they're trying to differentiate in their minds, what is the difference between a metro community and the gospel mission? I think the biggest difference there, Rick, would be that we're not a shelter even though for the last two winters we've operated a shelter out of our Ellis building. That wasn't our plans. That wasn't our intention. Um, But fortunately, before COVID hit, uh, we weren't able to get into our renovations in that building. And so the fall came, BC Housing came to us, said, hey, you got the space. Would you be willing to uh, lease us that space for a time, which we thought would be through that winter. And with COVID hitting in March of uh, 2019, uh, it turned out to be a longer process. And so we did uh, two winter shelters with them, and then we did a, a summer hygiene program out of that building as well up until March of this year. So, Scott, through the Journey Home, um, obviously Metro is, is a component of that Journey Home plan. What, in your eyes, as you know, somebody who's, who's really helping push Journey Home along, what is, how does Metro fit within that, that puzzle piece? There was a very practical, as Jeff just mentioned, a very practical space that Metro filled in the last two winters, which was that emergency shelter. Like that, that space was, uh, was you know, two years ago in 2019, 2020. That was a big issue when, when we hit October, November, and we didn't have a whole lot of answers for uh, emergency, emergency sheltering for individuals. And Metro was able to step into that gap, primarily because the facility they had was available for use. And then uh, in 2020, when COVID hit, that's when uh, other issues became prevalent that we needed to respond to in a way that their facility again could could help in in some significant ways and and it's evolved in that time. Jeff just lightly mentioned the hygiene center. That is a that's a huge piece to the puzzle that most people I don't think Rick even listening would understand what that is and where they the complement to Journey Home and to those that are on the street level has been massive. So kind of maybe unpack a little bit what when you say hygiene center, what does that mean? So what we recognized last summer uh, when they reduced the numbers in some of the shelters in our city, 
uh, it created a, a big gap where the street level community could not access showers. And we had a free clothing room. People would come in and just discard their old clothing and always be asking for new clothing. And what we created within the uh, Ellis building through the summer last year was uh, four showers and five sets of laundry. So people could come in, uh, they could get cleaned up, feel somewhat dignified and uh, reuse clothing just like you and I would on a daily basis. Have their clothing washed, come back, pick it up. Really brings a lot of peace to people as well, you know, who are, are living in the margins, are on the streets, and there's nowhere to go for some of the, the basic essentials. And what we learned from that after we closed that down in the fall of last year was that gap was so big and we had space in our St. Paul building. And so we worked with BC Housing to renovate that. We added two showers, they're permanent. We added three sets of laundry, permanent. And so 12 months of the year now street level will have access uh, to basic hygiene needs. I can't imagine, and, and I mean, you have a great word, which is uh, the respect, and, and it's self-respect. If you can shower and have freshly laundered clothes, I think that gives them a sense of, of, of human back, that we, we probably, you know, when we walk by a homeless person, oh man, they, they stink, they don't smell, like, and, and then all of a sudden, that's not their choice. That's, at times, they are they're wearing that that daily reminder of i don't have a home i don't have facilities and you are able to provide that so that was that and that's recent like that that's a fairly recent phenomenon yeah you know it's it, we we never saw i think our saint paul building uh, to be maximized to the usage that it is today COVID has sort of brought that about and now we have every square foot uh, of the downstairs used. We have an admin office. Uh, we have you know, three great staff there. Uh, casework, uh, advocacy. Like I said, there's short-term uh, some storage there as well. It just brings such a peace to the street community, knowing that they've got a place that they can go to and access that. And I've seen a sign on the way here, uh, just on the corner uh, over here on uh, Sutherland at the Salvation Army, and it's like, says you are seen you are known you are loved and i think that's kind of the mantra of metro as well is that it's a place to be seen to be known you know we want to go to a place where somebody you know everybody knows your name kind of idea right and feel welcomed and that is what uh, I, I believe really sort of permeates through the space as well you know i think some it. people may uh, look at, at those on the street and, and, and perhaps think, you know, why don't they just get a job or why don't they just kind of, you know, if only they had some discipline in their life. And uh, I know with uh, Metro Central and then the Hygiene Centre, there is a bit of an accountability structure put in place for that as well. Just kind of reintroducing the individuals again of like, hey, there is responsibility here. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that's that's a great point, Scott. Uh, brilliant idea. One of our staff, Jen, came up with this whole uh, kind of idea of, of ownership. And so we want this facility to be something that they would, you know, street level community coming in would call home. And so she's created like a membership program there. And so people come in, they watch a five minute kind of a fun video that we put together about all the things that are expected when you come here. Like you clean up, you know, in, in the shower and you leave it the way you found it. And anything to do with loitering outside or drug use outside, like that, uh, it's not so much a slap in the hand, but it's it's accountable. And so we say, you know, this is not the behavior that we want around here. 
if it's seen. You will never lose your membership privileges, but you will be held to account with uh, some of the behaviors and activities that we don't want to see you know, around our facilities. We want it to be a safe place for people to come. And so they will have to you know, potentially do some work around the properties. Uh, they can basically earn back their membership. But what it does is it just says, hey, you're valued here. We want to respect you, but you also in turn need to value and respect the facilities you know, that you're coming to use. And so it's been working really well. We have just over 110 members now that have been through the video that understand kind of the mantra of Metro. We have to, we have to tell it a few times for sure. I heard somebody come out the other day, right? And it's like, yeah, I just watched the video, man. Did you see that? I guess we won't be able to do some of the things we've been doing down the side here anymore. <laughs> it's like, no. It's a pretty good voice. Pretty good. Uh, that was well done. Yeah. That was, was a good thinking, character. That's, thinking, a, that's an early morning graspy. I haven't slept all night voice. So can you uh, help us with, with putting, uh, you know, I guess a, a name or or a face to this. So you probably, obviously we're not going to put a name to it, but is there a, is there a person or is there a group of people? Cause obviously you've, you've met some of them. Is, is there anybody that you could, I guess, illustrate for us uh, a story of, of their path and, and maybe add some humanness to this? Sure. Well, over the years I've been involved with Metro now for almost 12 years, uh, staff like close to four and a half. Uh, my role is in the HR operations, admin, finance side of things, right? To see the buildings, make sure that we're sustainable going forward. And so I, I try to get onto that headspace quite often and just go down and be uh, in community. And for me, that's where I find, you know, the real impact when I start to hear the stories. And there's numerous stories over the years. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've been starting to do around Metro is a little bit of ball hockey on back. We put in a basketball net in, in the courtyard and stuff like that. And it's amazing how you build connection through common ground. You know, we kind of jokingly talked about hockey, but it's unbelievable with a lot of the guys street level, how much connection there is to hockey and how some of them like played like a high level of hockey at some points in their lives, right? But this one fellow, it was like his passion. You know, he got this toilet seat and we call it, you know, the, the holy cup. And, uh, you know, you can win that uh, on the lunch ah. hour. It's, and so, and so, you know, shows up, brings a bunch of sticks, you know, bought these sticks. Someone to give him some money. He invested into hockey sticks, comes out and uh, just kind of rallies the troops together and really, you know, builds community around ball hockey. And I think that to me is like it humanizes, you know, a lot of what we see on the day to day. It's like. We all just want to be seen. We all want to be known, but we all want, want to have fun as well. And the street life is not fun, you know? Uh, yeah, there's some really sad stories there. And, and through the hockey, through ball hockey, basketball, whatever it may be, sitting down over a cup of coffee in the courtyard, when trust is established and relationship is built, safety comes with that. And then you start to hear the stories. And that's where I believe, you know, the real healing and transformation uh, starts to take place. And then you can encourage, you know, like, is it time to maybe go to recovery, to step into detox, like whatever it may be. But you can't do that without relationship. 
Uh, Jeff, uh, first off, I don't think the mm. Oilers or the Flames would win that cup. I'm just probably not the, the stage of life. That's right. In right now. I just don't <laughs> think there'd be any hope. Uh, the second is, you know, I, I, I love Rick's just perspective on, you know, some of those names and people and stories and that connection you're talking about. I think one of the spaces Metro's enter, entered into as well in the last number of years is when there is loss of life and there are like, uh, you know, uh, I know there's been quite a few, and most I, I don't think would make the front page news, or we would understand how many people have passed away. But how has that impacted your community over the last number of years? Ooh, well, I think the biggest piece to that, like you say, that people don't see uh, when when lives are lost to addiction, and there's not a lot of connectivity or family. When family does come out, one of the first things I hear is the gratitude so grateful that Metro was there, so grateful that they, there was a place where my son or my daughter uh, had a place to be seen, to be known, and felt safe. And then we can share some of the story back of what we got to know about their son or daughter as well. And that's where I think the healing really begins in the, you know, through the grieving process, as you know, my son wasn't just an addict on the streets. Uh, he actually contributed. He actually made a difference. He actually impacted and, and uh, spoke into other people's lives as well, even through the messiness uh, of where he was at at that time. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, and you guys host some even open mic memorials at times too and some different things for in your courtyard just to help process for that. Exactly. Community. Yeah, so people are given the opportunity then to come forward and share stories. And sometimes, you know, uh, if we had to, it'd be, you know, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> but it's it's just the way of grieving, right? It's the way of sharing uh, stories and, and healing uh, because the street-level community is a community. It's tight. And to be invited into that, to, to build trust, to share uh, in some of those stories is an invitation, and it only comes through trust. So, Jeff, when, I, when I'm hearing through this is uh, Metro has really, you know, morphed and grown and and pivoted and we saw a need so we filled it so that takes an incredible toll on staff um, and you're in the HR sector how have you been able to manage that because it honestly for me that sounds and the one word that keeps coming up is overwhelming for for staff how do you how do you grapple with that because they're dealing with so much stuff on a daily moment-to-moment basis they are I, I had this very conversation this morning uh, with a caseworker outside from John Howard and I said, this is the kind of work that you just don't decide one day I'm going to go into it. It's a calling. And uh, the only way to, you know, to not burn out in this is, is to not put in more work than someone's willing to put in themselves, right? So you don't get too, too over-involved with some of the community that's there. And so we really emphasize that from a staffing basis. You know, we call it soul care, where you you need to look after yourself and not overextend or, or give too much. And so it has been... Uh, yeah, overwhelming is a good word, but uh, we have had some great hires uh, this past year. Uh, we brought on Amber as our executive director for Metro Central. She ran the shelter this year and put together an amazing team. And we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing without volunteers. Like, they're the backbone of our cafe, courtyard. Uh, you know, they help us operate the laundry area. It's a safe area for people to come into and serve. And so that's what we try to create is spaces for people that want to volunteer to come in and do it again with COVID uh, as safely as possible, but also to uh, 
to share more of the story and to invite people into the story of Metro as well, to get them to be a part of that. And, you know, like we just hired a new lead pastor in the fall of last year as well. Joel comes to us with, you know, a background of youth ministry, 21 years, has a passion for the street level community, was part of the original plans for Metro, has been down to Skid Row numerous times with groups of youth. And so it's amazing uh, what we've been able to just uh, bring together as far as a team goes and staff. And then when you have those pieces in place, uh, you know, we support one another very well. And I think that's what's really crucial is that you're able to debrief, to talk through, to walk alongside, to care for one another in a way. And then that just sort of filters and spills out to the volunteers and then within the community itself. So that's, that's what keeps us going. The work is so meaningful. What, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's different criticisms about the agencies that serve the homeless. That, that just comes with the territory. Um, how, do you, how would you react to that uh, just on the basis of, you know, there's a lot of people that haven't peeled back the layers of homelessness. What, what advice would you give to them to say, you know, before you get on the keyboard and, and be a keyboard warrior, what things might you say to them to perhaps enlighten them or, or give them some perspective? I think education is is crucial. Like what's happening in the streets of Kelowna isn't an anomaly. It's in a number of different communities, even some of the smaller communities who have never maybe even experienced uh, homelessness in their area are starting to see it. Um, through that, yeah, it's it's getting familiarized with some of the things that are going on and it's it's hard to find that information until you get engaged and involved with it but what i've seen over the last few years is a, an amazing amount of collaboration between social agencies everyone talking uh media you know lots of information available in the media these days as well i think the biggest thing is to reduce the fear that comes with uh homelessness as well there's certain individuals in our community that are very boisterous that act out you know through call it mental health issues uh, addiction uh, psychosis and you know it's a bit of a defense behavior but inside a lot of them when you get to know them are are actually quite uh, broken uh, afraid as well but it's a it's a defense mechanism that keeps people back and so I think the more you step out, the more you get to know uh, <clears throat> what's happening on the street level, that there is a lot of work being done through Journey Home and, and other social agencies. Uh, the, the stigma will be reduced. Uh, you know, get, getting to know someone's name even uh, just helps to just lower that perhaps judgment or defense about that individual. And, and, and humanizes them and makes them more approachable. I get it as uh, for some of our listeners, perhaps that are going like, well, hey, you know, getting, how do I get involved so I can learn a little bit more? Because often, like, we don't even know our neighbors. <laughs> it's difficult to know the guy that works in the office. And, and we don't always take those steps. But I think anytime we can take a step into uh, a, a sector or a place, we'll always learn something. It doesn't matter what it is. You'll always learn something. And so if you truly care about this issue so much so to complain about it, then care enough to, to understand it better. And, and I think in doing so, 
as as many that have been involved with Journey Home, and I can speak to the task force and those members of our our uh, society board right now, like we've all gotten involved at some level and our perspectives have been changed because we're like, oh, you know, from a lived experience story to an indigenous story to to somebody who's uh, working on the front lines with one of the one of the sector agencies, you're like, I had no idea. Like I had no idea. And as soon as you discover that, you, it doesn't mean everything feels great and everything's yippy skippy and up to the right. What it means is you have a better understanding of how you can contribute collectively to helping us get to the place we want to get to, which is functional zero. Very good point. And to that, if if we all look within our own spheres of influence, uh, circle of family, friends, perhaps, we tend to cross paths with individuals in our lives that are in addiction or faced situations where they've lost someone to addiction. And and that, that really brings it home as well. Uh, I lost a brother-in-law probably 35 years ago uh, to addiction. He, he was electrocuted in a grow op. And that kind of opened my eyes a bit more to that life. And then in the downtown, my office that I worked on before coming to Metro was right off Bertram and uh, Leon. And so right outside our building, you know, there's a lot of street community and, and things. And uh, it stirred me to to want to know some of those stories. You know, how did that person end up there? Yeah. And when you start to hear the trauma and the abuse in some individuals' lives, it's like, wow, you know, you win the birth lottery when you don't get, you know, exposed to some of that stuff it's uh, I had a, a friend who used to work on the fire crew in Vancouver and he told me a story um, about they were trying to resuscitate a man on the street and his girlfriend who is noticeably pregnant pregnant was shooting up within 10 feet of police officers ambulance firefighters and uh, she just without a care that anyone was watching and, and anything else. So it just, you know, brought to light how, how bad things can be. Um, Jeff, so in your eyes, you talked about volunteering, but what, I, I mean, people listening uh, to this, and thank you again for listening, because I think this is another element of, yeah. of just education, but what, how can they help Metro? Like, is obviously to run the hygiene aspect you mentioned and a whole bunch of other things, it takes takes money, takes resources. What What's ways that they can help? Well, what's been amazing, you know, and a big thanks to, to Scott here as well. Trinity's been a big supporter uh, of Metro over the years, Evangel, and I hate to start to name, you know, certain groups and stuff like that, but the church community has really got behind it. We've got a lot of volunteers that, you know, don't have a faith background, a lot of corporate donors that have stepped in. Uh, BC Housing uh, has been amazing. The Central Okanagan Foundation has provided some grant funding as well for the operations. Our biggest step going forward now is the uh, the launch and our renovations to the food bank building on Ellis. You know, that's our that's our biggest pressing need now is to get that building renovated. So if there's anyone out there listening that wants to learn more about uh, what that project looks like, by all means, give me a call. I'd love to take you on a tour and show you what the vision is for that space and how we want to bring community together in the neighborhood, uh, have a diverse community so that it's available and accessible, not only by the street level, but anyone in the surrounding area. We want to have concerts and music and events and things like that going on. We want it to be a training facility. Uh, There's a number of things uh, too deep to get into. Uh, If you want to volunteer, great. If you have the resources to contribute to the building campaign, fantastic. We'd love to talk to you. 
but uh, What's there the are best varieties. place to find you? Is it a website? Is it a is it a email? Yeah, just an email, like Jeff, J E F F, the proper spelling. Wow. At metrocommunity.ca for all you G E O F Fs on there. <laughs> wow, that, that offended like one listener. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for, for sharing the time today. It's, mm. uh, yeah, I, again, I, I mean, just through this process, I'm able to, to learn a whole bunch more about these, you know, stakeholders and, and, uh, a big shout out to Amber, uh, yeah, who's an ex neighbor of mine there and you go. just Get a out. lovely, yeah. Yeah, she, no, what, she had to move, nor, away. She moved away. Yeah, uh, she had she to move like, away because of the parties. I had to move away from <laughs> <laughs> I mean, house values, I'm sure, just went way up when I left, so it was good. Uh, but I so appreciate the time, and I and, and always, Mr. Lanigan, you add something. Like, I'm honestly, I'm embarrassed. People can't see it right now. There you go. Eh? And we're gone. Love what you're doing. Thank you for listening in on the Homeless in Kelowna podcast. If you have feedback, reach out to us via email, rick at tempestmedia.net.